Hello and welcome to the Church Music Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Harmon. Today's episode is one that I'm very excited to share with you. It is a conversation with a good friend of mine, Blake Flatley. I've known Blake for a few years now and absolutely love his heart for ministry, love his heart for the church. He is an amazingly talented musician. He's also a podcaster. He's got so many great things to share with the church and with the world. But before we get to that, I want to tell you just a little bit about EasyChoirMusic.com. As we are getting ready for rehearsals, whatever that ends up looking like, whether that is in person or online or whatever the case may be, you might be looking for new music. And I highly encourage you to check out EasyChoirMusic.com. The best thing that I love about Easy Choir Music is that you purchase a PDF file of the music which gives you permission to make as many copies as you need of the piece forever. This isn't like, okay, I'm buying 20 copies of this piece and I can only make 20 copies and when I'm done with those 20 copies or one gets eaten by a dog or whatever may happen, you have to buy more. No, this is buy it once, make as many copies as you need. A great, great budget stretcher. But even more than that, it's quality music done by some excellent composers that you may have heard of. And you can purchase resources for accompaniment tracks, for rehearsal tracks. All that you need is all right there on EasyChoirMusic.com. So go check it out and enjoy what you hear, what you find. Now... We get to my conversation with Blake Flatley. Hi, Blake. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Craig? I'm fantastic. It is good to have you joining me. Um, So we're going to start off by introducing you. Who is Blake Flatley? (laughs) Um, Well, I am... uh husband, uh, a father, I'm a musician. Um, then I've got three little girls, seven, five, and almost three later this, later this month. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else you would want to know what anyone else would care to know about who is Blake Flatley. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. Is that important? It might be. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. I don't don't know how many listeners are, are San Francisco Giants fans or not fans yeah probably more not fans than fans but <laughs> right know, who knows <laughs> okay so you said you're a musician how, how did you get to become a musician what was your what was your journey there yeah I, I remember a few distinct points in my life that um i think are kind of transformative um my mom used to teach blind adults um uh, just kind of how to do everyday skills but now without their sight and so sort of finding your way back to um, what life looked like before, but now um, without the um, ability to see. So whether cooking or, you know, just kind of everyday tasks. And um, one one of those um, individuals that she taught, um, everyday task for him uh, pre-blindness was um, playing saxophone, and he was a professional saxophonist. And um, during the summer, we, my sister and I would often go to um, – 
to work with my mom for a bit. And uh, one day um, they were having a, a kind of a, a group um, gathering with uh, um, sort of a potluck type thing. And she convinced um, Jose, was his name, to come and play saxophone and uh, for the group. And I can remember just being really taken with the, with the music. And um, he actually became uh, one of my first instructors. And um, so I studied saxophone with him for, for quite a while. And then um, growing up in public school, um, I had a, a kind of a general music class as a you know, third grade, I think it was, as well with this great instructor. Her name was Carol Kuklis, is Carol Kuklis. And uh, she, um, I can remember distinctly this one day where she handed me the bass drum mallet and just gave me the opportunity to just beat out quarter notes on the bass drum. Yeah. And I just remember thinking how cool that was that, you know, to be able to, to do that. And so from those couple experiences, you know, um, when I hit about eighth grade, I tried to start a band. And, and uh, so as a saxophone player, I found two of my best friends at the time to play, um, play in the band with me. So we were a trio. We had two snare drum, snare drummers, two percussionists and, and a saxophonist. And that didn't, it didn't work out very well. So we started learning other instruments and I learned guitar and, and sang and one of them learned bass and the other one got a drum kit. And so that kind of a, you know, and that was, that was eighth grade. <laughs> so and been in bands and whatnot ever since. And, um, yeah. So I could tell you more about that if you want to hear more, I don't know. Well, the, the all important question, do you still have a saxophone? And if you do, do you still play it? I do actually have two saxophones nice. um, and uh, the last full length record I released, I, um, I played saxophone on um, at least one of the tracks and um, I had a very limited amount of notes because my saxophone hasn't been kept up very well, unfortunately. So yeah. I had a lot of different leaks in it and needed to replace some of the pads. <laughs> um, so I found what notes worked and I used those notes and uh, yeah, it needs some love for sure. But um Nice. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. That's that's great that you still stick with it. I mean, for me too, I started playing trumpet in fifth grade and, you know, I, I set it down for a little while, but now I'm, I'm back to playing it fairly consistently. Mm. And, you know, it is, it's so much fun to go back to that again and again. That's so cool. Um, okay. So how then from that point, did you get into church music on being a church musician? Yeah, so um, I, I had some friends um, who got, you know, we got involved in the youth group and then the youth group kind of all sort of sang in a little choir at church. And mm -hmm. um, so I ended up singing there in choir. It was just kind of back in the days of the cassette tapes with the split track where you yeah. rehearse with the vocal and then you pan it one direction or whatever, and then there's mm -hmm. no vocals. And then that group, we started playing music together a little bit and... Um, then one of my friends from high school, um, they, they were the, the, uh, the band for the Baptist youth group. And, um, so this was back when MXPX and sort of like the, uh, Christian punk or whatever, yeah, if that's such yeah. a thing was pop was popular. So I started playing bass in this, uh, punk group for the Baptist youth group, which I don't not still not totally sure how all those things go together but um <laughs> so i did That's that and then um 
And then I, I, uh, we started, um, I was going to this other church on, on Sunday mornings. And, um, um, I, I said to the music director, boy, the, the band sounds good, but could sure use drums. And she said to me, we'd known each other for a while. Um, she said to me, well, there's a drum kit in the back. Nice. And, uh, so I ended up being the drummer in the, in the praise band there, um, which was a fun experience. And uh, I don't know that that's the best approach to, to recruiting a drummer for, for the band, but, um, um, I hope it didn't go too horribly. Um, and then, uh, let's see from there, you know, I, I, uh, started, uh, leading worship at one of the services. Um, so I think it was like a midweek service. Um, and, uh, then ended up going down to, to school at Concordia Irvine and studying, um, music and uh getting involved with a whole host of music there and praise bands and different things and um while i was a junior there i got a job as a choir director and and worship leader and then kind of been doing that ever since in various capacities that's awesome that is yeah it's it's always interesting to see how for for many musicians i think you know Elementary school, middle school is kind of that formative getting it started, but it seems like for for a lot of us, high school is kind of that place that really mm. just kind of ramps things up. I mean, that was that's yeah. my story too. I mean, my dad was a pastor, so I grew up literally next door to the church, and mm. I mean that that was part of it. I mean, that was my foundation was hearing church music all the time, but yeah. really for me, it was my experiences in high school that really led me down that road of you know, this is something I want to do as a career. This is something I'm passionate about and really love doing because I had such great choir experiences in high school that I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is where I want to be. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to hear that from, I've heard that from a lot of different people in many different conversations that it seems like high school is kind of that settling in place. And uh, that's awesome that you got to try out lots of different instruments and makes you uh, very, very, uh, very capable as a musician and, <laughs> or at least passable. Well, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I've always loved different types of music and different, different, um, the just what the different instruments bring to the table, whether it's using them the way they're meant to be or not. I mean, when I was when I was in high school, I played in the the marching band, symphonic band, and the jazz band. You know, kind of whatever I could get my hands on. And then mm -hmm. they were remodeling the band room, so they had to find places for all these instruments. And so I can remember one summer just loading up the car with like uh, whatever could fit, and I spent the summer kind of like what's what's the trombone let's try that out you know like and just trying to explore different things i didn't yeah. necessarily set out to be a church musician as much as like it just kind of went that way because i was really sure. interested in theology really interested in music and oh this is something that could it's a good connection the two. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's fantastic well speaking of theology you are involved with a group called 1517. What is that? Yeah, so uh, 1517 is this organization that's really just committed to proclaiming the gospel and um, letting know, letting people know about the finished work of Christ. Um, and, you know, the 1517 refers to a, a year, um, Martin Luther's 95 Theses being, being written that year. And um, so 
um, we've started to, I've, I've been playing conferences with 1517 for a while, and now we've just started this new endeavor, which is 1517 music. And I'm really excited about it. Um, it's an opportunity to, to continue to equip the church and, and provide new arrangements of hymns and new music and, um, kind of releasing things on for all seasons really and um so we're just getting going with that and we've got uh, 1517.org slash music kind of you can find a bunch of different information about it um and uh our first video release up there so we'll be trying to create music that's really accessible to people and just theologically really um pointing people to to jesus so um yeah, I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. So you're saying it's it's settings of hymns. Is it for choirs? Is it for contemporary worship? What what? Yeah, yeah. Great, great question. Um, you know, I think right now there there are a fair amount of resources from from a choral perspective and a classical perspective, but as um, people approaching theology from this particular angle, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of resources for the more um, band-led type stuff, um, so that's our initial goal, and that's my my more giftedness is that area. Sure. Um, but I, I see a lot of possibility for different types of music. It's um, it's not really about genre per se, but about fulfilling a need. And so, if other needs arise, I'm you know I'm sure we'll do our best to address those. Um, but. Uh, right now, we are certainly focused more on um, hymn arrangements and new music that are um, meant to be led by piano or guitar um, or band. I think maybe some saxophone solos need to be in the future. Probably lots of saxophone. Yeah, just <laughs> mostly solo saxophone pieces. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Um, and that's that's so great. I think it is such a great resource. I've already taken a listen to what you've put up and I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I think that is one of the things that it really is the struggle um, for, for many churches is how do you balance that desire to have a more contemporary styled instrumentation, but still incorporating and using that hymnody that's been in the church for so many years and i think what you guys are doing is is just fantastic and just so exciting so i i really think that that's a great great opportunity for the church oh thank you so we are both lutherans um that is kind of how our paths have crossed is through that lutheran circle um and of course 1517 like you said is when martin luther nailed his 95 theses to the the door of the castle church but my question is can other denominations use this music or is this just for lutherans this is very exclusive no i'm just kidding um <laughs> uh yeah i mean i think our hope would be that um that others would would use it as well and that um this is certainly not limited to denomination um we we of course come to it um with a particular theological lens and sure. and uh that's going to be a major part of what we're doing is that we are going to maintain that lens um but um yeah i think many folks from other denominations, um, as has been the case really with 1517 as an organization, many people from different denominations have found value in 
in the work that's being created there um, through podcasts and classes and books and all these other th- articles and other things. And I, and I hope that that is also true, uh, holds true for the music as well. No, absolutely. And, and that's, I think for me and my experience, that's been the case is that, you know, it really, if you're putting out a quality resource and something that I see benefit in, I mean, you know, obviously theologically, it's got to be uh, along the lines of where I, where I think. And, but if it's, if it's a quality resource, I think that, that makes, that makes it worthwhile. So, yeah. Um, and you guys are definitely putting out quality resources. And like you said, speaking of that podcast, you are a podcaster as well. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, I host a podcast called the craft and, um, the idea behind the craft is that, uh, we just interviewed different people about their craft, their vocation, and um, sort of how their community, their theology um, impacts what they do and and what they create. And um, so it's been it's been a really fun experience. Um, got to talk to a lot of different people. Uh, I've got to speak with a guy who's a yo-yoist, um, visual artist, whiskey maker, distiller. Um, uh, writers, uh, musicians, um, guy that started this, uh, drum company. So it's been, it's been a really fun experience. Um, you can, um, I believe it's 1517.org slash podcast. That's that podcast is on the 1517 network. Um, so I think if you go there, you can, you can find it. It's the one with the pink cover. So really fun artwork. Um, my buddy Brenton Clark little designed. Um, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun to do. And it's, and, uh, it's an excellent podcast. I, I really oh, enjoy listening to it. And, and it's, it's really, you do a great job of, of just really bringing out those stories behind um, what people are doing. And that's, that's really, really interesting and intriguing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun to do. So as we're moving out of the pandemic and everything else that's going on, you are, a church musician, how do you see things positively coming out of this? Is there any positives that we can see coming out of this? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it's been a time of reevaluating for a lot of people, um, whether on a personal level or a institutional level, um, as a a church, as a business. and so since you specifically ask as a, as a church musician, you know, I think it's, it's helped us to look at what is uh, important. What are the ways that we are, who are the groups that we're maybe not serving as well as we might've thought we were, mm-hmm. whether those were shut-ins who, who are stuck at home, who maybe, you know, maybe somebody visits them or drops off a, a CD of the service, but that's kind of it. Um, or what are the ways that we can engage them more? Um, what's, what's important? What are the things that we're doing? Just like, well, we've kind of, we've kind of done this all always. And, and, uh, so, um, do we still need to do it or should we be placing that value elsewhere? And then I think also the opposite effect, what are the things that we just, we have loved doing that we, um, we really miss and we just can't wait to get back to. And some of those things won't quite come back yet maybe, and or, or maybe they are coming back. But 
I think it helps us to value the things that we've maybe taken for granted too, whether that's a choir concert or, you know, a lessons and carols service or, um, you know, some of the different the kids choirs. I mean, yeah. um, I, you know, my, my church where, where I'm at, um, we've got multiple kids choirs and every year there was a, we had a, a major Christmas concert and those are things that during the pandemic, you know, some of them stopped. Uh, some of them we had to think of other ways to do. Our Christmas concert, we we pared it way down, and and we ended up doing it video only, and yeah. and um, having a and then, you know, in terms of reaching our shut-ins, we we ramped up some of the technology things that we we wanted to bring people, you know, or or bring the service to people in ways. Um, and so a lot of those things have, have changed. Um, I hope it's, I hope for many it's placed a higher value on, on people and the personal connections and the, um, you know, I, I have a, a great staff where, where I work and there's definitely, um, just this idea that, okay, everybody needs to make sure they're also taking care of themselves. And, um, I think. Uh, I hope I hope that becomes a more regular thing elsewhere. I've been very fortunate to to see that here, and and with fifteen seventeen too. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. Um, I, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I come back to is this question of what is community, and what does community mm -hmm. look like, right? Um, because you know, for the past seventeen months, we've all been basically kind of focused and forced more in this online community and mm. i'll tell you for me as i am an extreme extrovert i love people mm. i love being around people um that has been one of the hardest things for me um is just really trying to figure out how do i navigate this if i'm you know i mean i love my wife and i love my girls but if i'm only focused on being around them and that's the only time i get that's hard and and i think mm. for many i think that's that's part of it and I think, like you said, it's it's really evaluating how do we do things and what does that look like? Um, and I think too, it's, I think a lot of churches who were maybe a little bit slower or hesitant or resistant to embracing technology or any kind of technological help in reaching out, you're kind of now having to do that. And you're, you've been forced to do that, which I think can be a good thing, but it, to me comes back to being a balance of the the group and togetherness versus the online mm. and i think that's that's really really the biggest challenge i see coming out of this is is how do you balance that because you know there's going to be people that will you know enjoy and appreciate the hey i can be anonymous i can just be watching from my computer at home and the comfort of my chair in my pajamas on Sunday morning and I don't have to be around people. Good. And, and, and that's okay to some extent, but I think there is that power and that connection that comes from being together in community. And I think yeah. it's not just the church. I think it's just, you know, globally. I mean, that's, that's how we function, whether it's going to a concert, going to a sporting event, anything like that. It's not just you by yourself. It's everyone gathered together. Yeah. And I think, you know, how do you find ways even still to gather in a way that people are comfortable with too, you exactly. know? So for, 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 you know, 
a lot of the year, um, my church, uh, we met outdoors. We were fortunate enough to have a, a big field and um, decent weather. So we met outdoors. And then, you know, I, I've been doing, um, with 1517 Music, launching a, a tour of uh, like beer and hymns type gatherings. And I, I've been trying to book all of them as much as possible outdoors because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want to, I want people to feel comfortable being outdoors or, or being together and still mm-hmm. to be able to come. And, and, um, yeah, and, and I think, you know, on a, just a really localized level for my family, when the whole thing started, we, I was kind of where you, you were at, like, we love each other, but we can't just be, you know, what does this yep. mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, I got a, I, I got a little PA system. Uh, we could do like a neighborhood concert. So I did a, you know, nice. we have a text thread with all of our neighbors. So we start spreading the word and, and just for fun, you know, yeah. like come sit on your, come sit on your front porch and we'll at least try to connect in that way. And that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've certainly gotten to know our neighbors a lot better in this time and try to. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it, it, there are a lot of positives uh, and I think you have to honestly be intentionally looking for them, but there mm. are a lot of positives in creating community in a creative way. And I think things like what you were just saying of connecting with your neighbors, um, things like that. I mean, I, I know of people who would just kind of sit out in their driveway and yell across the street to yeah, each other yeah. and things like that. It works. I mean, Hey, that's great. And, and it is, I think one of the challenges before the pandemic was we were so busy and so, you know, focused on what we were doing at the time. And, and I mean, like, even for me, I feel like, my life was very overscheduled. And now Mm, mm -hmm. you've had this opportunity to really step back. And like you were saying before, really evaluate what is it that's good? What is it that's not? And I think even for the church and and churches do this so often, you know, they do things just for the sake of doing things because we've always done it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's at least in the Lutheran church, that's kind of our our go-to, right. Because we've always done it that way. Well, yes, but (laughs) is there a purpose to it? Mm. You know, and, and I think that's, that's a good thing. I think coming out of this to really evaluate, does this have value or maybe that value has changed and maybe the, the motivation and the direction for it has shifted. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think that's a, that's a positive thing. And I think too, just like in terms of coming out of it, like though we may recognize, Hey, we really liked being able to eat lunch with our kids every day or, 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 be home most nights of the week or whatever that might be. How do you maintain something like that going into it? And how do you also go, okay, well, this is necessary. So I'm, you know, where's the balance at? And and it's not easy. Yeah. And I think ultimately to me, one of the biggest things that comes out of this is, and you touched on it just a little bit earlier is self-care. And for, for those of us who are in the church, that's hard. <laughs> mm. I mean, like I said, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up with the example of, you know, my dad was always on call, whether it was, you know, 10 o'clock at night, somebody's rushed to the emergency room, he gets up and goes, uh, you know, and, and obviously music ministry, it's a little bit different than that, but we're still, you know, having those rehearsals, we're having those events, we're doing all those things. And whether that's, you know, taking away from our time with family, whether that's taking time away for ourselves, 
we have to find that balance and we have to mm. be able to um, really implement those things for ourselves in self-care. So my question to you is out of all of this, are there one or two things or maybe even more than that that you've learned for yourself in how you're going to maybe do things differently um, for yourself moving out of this? Yeah, I think there have been several stages for me personally as we went through the pandemic of different mm -hmm. ways that I um, uh, adjusted, you know, and some of them worked and some of them didn't work. I spent a significant amount of time getting up super early and, and hopping to work so that I could take a little bit of a break during the day mm -hmm. and then working late at night. And I just found that like the sustainability of five or six hours of sleep every night for me wasn't, wasn't working. Right. So, you know, I had to adjust again. And so, so, um, made an adjustment there. I learned that, you know, regularly getting some sort of exercise is necessary. It's not just uh, something that would be nice to do, but it's, it's, it's necessary. I learned that, um, taking just regular, regular breaks to just be, um, I, I think those are, those are necessary. And sometimes I have to schedule them. Otherwise, uh, otherwise I don't. Um, and so I think my temptation is try to make sure everybody else has what they need, uh, whether that's my family or others. And, and, um, and sometimes we have to say, okay, it's not, it's not selfish to make sure I'm taking care of myself because if I don't, then, and I get sick, well, that affects everybody else negatively uh, in my family, right? Because now, Absolutely. you know, I'm not there to take them to swim lessons or or help with dinner or whatever whatever the case might be, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and um, so those, I mean, I think exercise, um, eating, remembering to do it, um, I mean, some, some, some pretty basic things, but, and then also just taking time, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go sit in the backyard with my, my friend and, and, uh, um, you know, just talk about whatever for, you know, you know, just things that maybe we don't deem as essential in our brain, but they are very important to living a life that doesn't lead to burnout, I think. Absolutely. And it, it, and we can also get to that point, at least I know for me, that was the case that I would get to that point where it was like, well, I can't, I can't take time for myself because I've got this, this, and this to do. And then if I do take that time for myself, I'm feeling guilty the whole time because mm. there's either something that I've left to go for a little bit or my family, which wasn't the case, but in my head, it was something completely different. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's getting past that to realize that if you're not taking care of yourself, like you said, it's the practical of taking your kids to swim lessons, but it's also, how can you be a great encourager to others if you're exhausted? Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're worn down and you're on the edge of burnout, you can't encourage, you can't minister to, you can't care for other people unless you're caring for yourself first. Yeah, it's Absolutely. that whole it's that whole adage put on your mask in the airplane before you help somebody else. Sure. You know? Yeah. It it's not selfish, but I mean it's figuring it out, like you like you were saying, it's figuring out what rhythm and what works best for you. And really the the rhythms of life change. I mean, you know, you've got seven, five, and three. I've been there, my girls are now nine and twelve, and you know, as they grow up, 
that rhythm and that life changes mm. as you know as ministry goes on as you get more established in a position or anything like that that rhythm and that season changes and so you have to be adaptable and you have to be willing to say yeah let me try this and see if this works or like you said realizing five right. or six hours of sleep a night it works in short bursts but not sustainable over months at a time right and that's and that's knowing yourself and knowing your body to say okay this is not going to work let me try this right yeah absolutely Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's really one of the biggest, biggest challenges. I mean, I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, there's, there's resources out there to do everything, right? There's, you can learn how to play the guitar by a YouTube video. You can learn, I mean, you know, yeah. you can, you can be a better choir director through lots of different courses and things like that, but learning how to care for yourself, that's, mm. that's not something that you really, find all that much at least you know in, in regard specifically to music ministry so makes yeah. things hard <laughs> yeah and sometimes it takes somebody else saying hey you should really consider doing this um you know to to help you realize that you oh yeah i do need to do that mm -hmm. um because uh, yeah exercise is important because heart disease runs in my family and you know and or whatever right so. absolutely no, absolutely. And it's just, it's good. I mean, that's, I, I try to get up early in the morning so that I can go for a walk in the morning. Cause obviously I live in Houston where once the sun is up, it's 5,000 degrees outside. Um, you know, at least before the sun's up, it's about 4,000 degrees. So it's not right. <laughs> but you know, when I do that, I find that my day and my focus for the day is so much more clearer and my mm. attitude toward things is better because I've started with that, not just because yeah. of the health benefits of it, but it's more of that, okay, I'm starting with this. It's my time to pray, to, to worship, to do all that while I'm walking um, and, and to really start my day on a positive note. And I think there's, there's a lot of positives that come from that. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. All right. Well, what do you got coming up in the next, uh, next couple of months for 15, 17? Yeah, so I, I've most immediately um, I'll be I've got um, five different events coming up for those uh, beer and hymns or uh, type gatherings, um, hymn sing happy hour, whatever. I'm um, it's sort of a launch tour, um, and the first one is Friday, so I think that'll that'll be um, this will come out probably after that, but it'll be up in Big Bear, and then I'll be up in in Portland on uh august 18th seattle august 20th um long beach august 27th and los angeles august 28th then i'll be booking some more of those uh further out um we're we're gonna be in las vegas in october um the 15th through 17th at a um at faith vegas up there uh for a conference and which should be a lot of fun around that uh, We'll be releasing a handful of videos that nice. we recorded live at the Meteor in um, Bentonville, Arkansas. And then, um, yeah, so we've got, then that EP will come out on Spotify, Apple Music, and Very we've got cool. just kind of more and more after that. So I'm really excited if you can't tell. And we've got a lot going on, a lot of great people uh working to make this happen, whether it's from graphics and mixing and mastering and you know, playing on the tracks and all that. So it's been, That's it's been a lot exciting. of fun. That's exciting. And it's, 
I'm excited just to see where it goes and get, how God uses that as a resource for the church, because I think it, it really is going to be something that's, I think, going to really develop a life of its own. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a good thing and spend something that I've been working um, at for a long time and to see it come to fruition here is pretty exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Blake. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Craig, thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you? So if they're looking for me, um, probably best place to connect is um, Twitter or Instagram. Um, I'm at Blake Flatley, F-L-A-T-T-L-E-Y. Um, you could follow 1517 as, as well. Um, and, uh, or, or through, uh, um, through my website, blakeflatley.com. Any of those are, any of those are good. Uh, yeah. Or if they're interested in some of my music, I'm on all the places. If they look up Blake Flatley. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That was such a great, great conversation. Like I said, I love Blake's heart for ministry, for the church. And he's, like I said, a tremendously talented musician. So check out his music. Check out what he's doing with 1517. Check out his podcast. Um, All of that stuff is linked in the show notes. So go check it out. It is such a tremendous resource that the church has in Blake and in 1517 and all that they're doing. I want to thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you haven't, subscribe and give a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Also, I'd love to have you check out the store at churchmusicmakers.com. In there, you're going to find that I have some handbell arrangements for purchase. Um, I have a choir arrangement, some piano music, and I'm working toward having a subscription service set up for the 1st of September. So if you're interested in that, I have a Google Doc that you can add to on the show notes as well. There'll be a link for that Um, just to help me get a little bit more feedback on how best I can serve you with resources and tools. Thanks again for listening. Share with others and I will talk to you again next week.